You are listening to the Unapologetically Fueled podcast, where we talk about cultivating food freedom, psychology, gut health, overcoming adversity, hearing inspirational stories, and how to truly live life unapologetically fueled. Hello, everybody. Um, I have no idea how long this episode is going to be, so let's circle back when we're finished recording. But I have a lot of thoughts about my marathon, and I have a lot, a lot, a lot of questions from you guys. So as said in the title, today's episode is going to be all about my very first marathon, um, how the week went before the marathon, you know, like my carb loading strategy, um, and just like the whole race in general and the whole weekend. And then we're going to get into a big Q&A of all of your questions. And I hope that I can answer all of them with as much as I can. Um, But I, first of all, want to thank literally every single one of you. Guys, I have no idea how grateful, like how, I have no idea what I did to deserve you guys. Like, honestly, the community and just like everybody on Instagram and through my podcast, you guys have all been so supportive and I literally, I just don't know. I I'm speechless. Like you guys are amazing and I'm endlessly grateful for every single one of you and all of you who DM'd me and were tracking me and were sending me just shout outs and posting after my race. Like you guys are literally the best and I could not have gotten here without your support and your love. And I am just so beyond incredibly thankful for absolutely everything. So one, I just want to thank you all. And again, I could not have gotten to the start line of this race or the finish line without your love and support. So many of you, I, so I had this race joy app and it sends you, you can like send cheers through it. And that's how people were tracking me. And I had all of you guys were just sending me the sweetest messages and when things were getting tough in the last six miles, I was just getting like little cheers from you guys and oh, it just warms my heart. So I just want to say thank you for everything to start off this episode with because it's going to be a long and probably emotional episode. I have done my fair share of crying. If you saw my reel I posted last week after my race, literally me bawling at the finish line and um, it currently has 1.3 million views. Um, so wow, that's also very surprising. And I just, again, I love you guys. And okay, I'll get off my soapbox, but I just, I just love you all. Anyway, so my first marathon experience, I literally, I'm still trying to find the words for this. Like I get goosebumps thinking about it. Um, so last time I talked to you guys about my marathon was in my marathon training Q&A episode and we were talking about how training was going and what my goals were and I also did another, you know, like the Q&A with you guys of what I did for, you know, like fuel and everything. Um, but now we are post-marathon. We are done and it happened. Um, and I'm going to go over everything. So I don't even know where to start because honestly, you know, I'm just going to start out like at peak week, whatever. Okay. So let's just start there. So I had my peak week, right? It was a 61 mile week and 
I was feeling good. So this peak week was actually after a half marathon race that I did as a tune-up. And my goal for the half marathon race, this was a month out from my full, was to get a 140 because a 140 translates to a 330 marathon. And again, as I mentioned in my last episode, a 330 was like my dream. It was like my AAAA goal. Like I said, like if I get a 330, I would absolutely just cry because it Boston qualifies you and it would just be the most amazing day ever. So I said, okay, a 140 half marathon. I just want to see if I'm there. So I ran the race a month out and I got a 135. Um, and that really surprised me. And I was so excited and I was like, okay, this is making a 330 seem a little bit more reasonable now. So I went into peak week right after that. It was a long week. It was just a lot of easy running, but a lot of running. So I literally recovered from my half marathon race by like an eight mile recovery run on the treadmill. And you know what? That's what marathon training is. So if any of y'all are thinking about training for a marathon, it's like your half marathon races are often like just like tune ups and um, your workouts will become anywhere from like 10 to 12 miles. So just an FYI. um, Yeah, a lot of the recovery from running in marathon training is more running. Um, Anyway, I had my peak week and then I did a 21 mile workout that week to kind of top everything off. So that was like the last little piece of hay in the barn that I could have possibly added before this race. And it went super well. And I did a six mile warm up, and then I did three times four at goal marathon pace, but I ended up averaging a 758 pace for that whole workout. Um, and of course, because you know, your girl's got gut issues, I did stop twice to, you know, use the bathroom. But I was like, okay, this is like giving me confidence that maybe a 330 is a more reasonable goal than I thought before. But I'm still like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, anything could happen on race day. So again, I started the taper and the two weeks before, not going to lie, they are like the three week taper. It was rough. Like the first week I was not feeling great. Like I was feeling fine for the first half of the taper. And then like the last day, like the last long run, it was like 16 miles. I felt awful. Like my legs were absolutely just like slogging. Like I was like, this is not good. But then I was, I posted that on my Instagram story and I was validated by you guys. And you guys were like, that's so normal in the taper. So that was fine. And I went into the next week and I got a puppy. Um, as you saw her, her name is Maisie May, and I can do a whole podcast episode on my puppy if you want. And it was, it's great. Um, and I was also so sleep deprived that week. So when you have a puppy, it's like a newborn. You're getting up in the middle of the night. You're taking them out all the time. And that week, our elevators in our apartment complex decided to break. And I live on the third floor. And when you have a baby puppy, you have to take them out all the time. So I was climbing flights and flights and flights of stairs. I was getting in way more steps than I wanted to two weeks before my marathon and like even my like phone and my watch were like there's been active changes in your number of like flights climbed and your step count and I'm like this is not ideal I'm sleep deprived I'm cranky I'm tired I'm like you know trying like I love her so much and having a puppy is a lot of work so that really raised my stress levels too because my runs weren't feeling good that week and I was just so exhausted so I was feeling a little bit worried that that was going to catch up to me on race day 
But then the next week, the final week before the race, I went home and my dad helped take care of my puppy. And that was beautiful. I got to sleep that week. It was fantastic. But not going to lie, I still felt a little sluggish that week before the race. And I was a little bit nervous. But I started to feel more energetic um, like a few days before the, or like a couple days before the race, um, which was also promising. But the week before the race, I just did, it was hard mentally, but I just did like a five, four, four, three, two. So that was my mileage. And they were all super easy, very like chill, slow. And it's hard because some people before marathons will run like eight miles or like whatever, or they'll run longer and you'll see that. But then you have to remember that it's not going to serve you best in the marathon to run longer that week. Like I was, I wanted to, so I'm like, you know, I had those thoughts. I'm like, am I going to lose fitness? Is blah, blah, blah. But it really does pay off to taper and actually take it so easy the week before the race. Anyway, the week before the race comes, I started carb loading about three days before. I kind of started to carb load like four days before, but um, I just wanted to like start upping my carbs on that Tuesday. So the race is on a Saturday. I started to up my carbs Tuesday and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it was like, carbs like full on let's go everything was a carb um I literally so what I did is I used the Featherstone Nutrition Megan Featherstone um carb loading guide and calculator and it's so helpful because it gives you based on your height your weight your race distance how long you want to carb load for it gives you the grams of carbs you need per day in order to meet your carb load needs to fully stock your glycogen stores for a race so I've done carb loads before for half marathons, but it's always been one day and it has not been this intense. So the half marathon, right? I stuffed my face with carbs for one day and I'm feeling good. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm ready to not eat so many carbs the next day, but, um, it's funny cause you finish a race and you want more carbs. So running is running is funny like that, but this is my first time carb loading for a marathon and oh boy, it was great. And it was not the most comfortable thing physically. It was just like, like it tastes, you know, it always tastes good. It was delicious. And I'm excited because I got to eat, a, you know, I just ate a lot of like pop tarts and mini muffins and it was delicious. And my stomach did not feel good. I was waking up in the morning with headaches and I just felt bleh during the carb load. But that's okay. That's how you're supposed to feel. And it definitely paid off. So I will link the Featherstone Nutrition Carb Loading Guide down below so you can use it if you're about to run a full or half marathon because carb loading is important for half marathons. You just don't need to do it as long. So did my carb load, ate a lot of bagels, a lot of graham crackers, yeah, mini muffins, Pop-Tarts, um, oatmeal, but like no protein or anything. Um, my oatmeal recipe was like, you put like a half cup of oats and then I didn't want to do a full cup because full cup always makes my stomach just feel bleh. So instead of doing the full cup, I just added a ton of sugar and a ton of like honey, maple syrup, brown sugar. I used just like a lot of sweeteners um, to really up that carb load um, or that carb count. And I also like put like banana and all that stuff, which is good. And I ate a lot of bakery goods. So like a lot of muffins, a lot of scones. Um, those are super easy ways to get carbs in. And then if you saw my Instagram, um, you will see that I had a big marathon munchie jar and I combined Dot's pretzels, which are absolutely heaven. So like shout out to Dot. Um, I combined Annie's snack mix, Annie's bunny friends, like the chocolate ones. And then I also combined, oh, oatmeal squares by Quaker. And I was munching on that all week and I did go through the whole thing. So 
you know, that is a plus. Mm. Oh, and then if I wanted like more of like a bar or something, I ate Belvedas. So Belvedas, they were super easy, went down super easy. Um, drink a lot of fruit juice. Oh, I drank a lot of naked smoothies as well and got acai bowls um, with no protein in them. So, you know, it's easy, digest easily. But the naked smoothies were really good to get in the carbs. So when I was sipping on something um, like fluid wise, I made sure that I was taking in something that had extra sugar or extra carbs just to fully stock because you can definitely not eat too many carbs during a carb load, but you can definitely eat too little carbs. So I was hitting my exactly what I needed carb load wise and the liquids and the low fiber stuff really, really helped out. So anyway, carb loaded, it went well, all that was good. Um, and then it was, oh, another carb loading re resource that I have too is the Holly Fueled Nutrition Podcast. She does a great episode on carb loading and I'll link that below too. So anyway, um, Thursday night, it was so fun. I went to the podcast recording with Allie Feller and Emma Bates and got to listen to them and talk to them and it was so good and Emma just gave great advice and so did Allie and it was just great to meet Emma and see Allie. She is just like the sweetest and Emma is like one of the most genuine kind people like down to earth runners that I've ever met. Like she's amazing. Um, and that was a cool experience. And then I got sandwiches with my friend. Um, then Friday morning I had a shakeout run with Emma Bates and um, the whole like some people that were running the race which was super cool. So Went to that. It was a two-mile shakeout, and it was so fun. Emma's outfit was super cute, and um, then we had bagels after that and coffee, and I brought Maisie May, so Maisie May got to eat, or not eat, meet Emma Bates, which was so fun. She wanted to eat my bagels, but that was just such a good shakeout run. I was feeling good at this point. I was like, okay, I am ready to roll. Like we are ready to run. I was itching to run. And of course at this day, I was not feeling like I ever, ever wanted to look at another carb. However, we packed it in today. So again, I ate like a lot. I drink a lot of like sugary drinks, naked drinks, um, muffins, bagels, pastries, I was not feeling great that day, stomach-wise, but we got it in and it paid off. Um, then we picked up our packets and that was so cool. And at Packet Pickup, I was like, I really want to buy a 26.2 sticker, but like, I didn't know if I was going to finish. So I was like, mm, I don't know. And then Avery, my friend, she hands me the 26.2 sticker and I'm like, okay, I got to buy it. I'm like, you know, if anything happens, I'm going to crawl my way to the finish line. Like I'm still going to get the distance done and it's going to be fine. So I bought it in hopes that I'd finish it. And then we had a nice pasta dinner with my coach and my friends and a lot of, I had a group, amazing group of some of my best friends just like staying up with me and it was just so cool to all get ready for the race together and Emily braided my hair, Emily, you go girl, her Instagram handle is wellness with Emily and she's amazing, she's a registered dietitian as well so I absolutely love her um, and also Avery and Hannah and Mary stayed with me and yeah, it was just such a good time and my grandma made us all pasta um, and desserts. She made us like two different pasta dishes, a pasta salad, like homemade, or we got like bakery bread and then, um, green beans. She also made a salad, but I didn't have much of that obviously cause I'm running a marathon the next day. Um, and then she made brownies and banana bars and it was amazing. So had a nice, good pre-race meal. I also, so I ate like three brownies that night because carbs. Um, so I ate one brownie 
at dinner, ate another one a couple hours later, and then I woke up at midnight to use the bathroom, so I ate another brownie, and then I also had a banana and peanut butter, because you guys, when you're about to run a marathon, you need to pack it in, and like, it, I was honestly hungry, like, I was very hungry, which is kind of funny, because I had no fiber, so anyway, that was great, set out our packets and everything, I was feeling super nervous at this point, but I was also feeling good, like, I was feeling like, okay, like, we're gonna run this tomorrow, I was freaking out, I was freaking out, not gonna lie, but it was fine. So anyway, the next, I keep saying anyway, but just so much happened. So much happened, you guys. Um, when you run a marathon, it just like literally the weekend just never leaves your mind. Um, so it was the morning and Emily was running the half marathon and at the race that I ran, which is Bayshore in Traverse City, Michigan, um, Emily, it, the half marathon is huge. So you have to get there super early because you get bust out and it's a point to point. So Emily was bust out super early. So she was not there when I woke up, but the rest of us marathoners, we woke up at 5:30, and I got ready. And the day before also, we went to Lululemon and Hannah and I got matching outfits and you know, I probably should not have spent that much money, but I was like, it's my first marathon and I'm only going to run my first marathon once. And yeah, I, I definitely am happy that I bought that outfit. I was not going to wear that until that day. So I completely changed my outfit and everything like the day before the race, which, you know, not a great idea, but I am so happy I did it because it was so fun and I got to see her like on the course of the matching outfit. So in the morning, got ready. I ate a um, bagel with peanut butter, banana, and honey. Um, I also drank a liquid IV and had a little, like half of a thing of Celsius and Celsius is so good. Like I love it. Do, it's not a replacement for food at all, but it's delish. So Celsius is amazing. And then I had that about one hour before the race. So it started at 7.15 and we drove to the start line. And when we got there, I had everything packed. I had, um, I dropped my bag and everything and it was a little bit chilly, but it was going to warm up fast. So we get to the start line and we're like, oh, we should use the bathroom before it starts. And I'm like, yeah, we have like 20 minutes before the start. We'll be fine. The lines for the bathroom, guys, this was one of the most stressful moments of my life. We're so freaking long. So we're standing in line and this, literally it's not moving. And all of a sudden, five minutes before the race, um, I have to go to the bathroom, like number two, like it's, I'm freaking out and we're still so behind in line. And I'm like, we're not going to start on time. Like this is not going to be good. And I'm literally going to go to the bathroom in my pants. I, and then my friends were like, you just need to run up to the front and like push people. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. But then I went up and I went to the front of the line and I felt so bad. I told this man, so if you are listening to this podcast, dude, I love you. Thank you so much. I said, hi, I'm going to go to the bathroom in my pants right now. Um, I said it more like, I'm going to poop my pants right now, and I am so sorry, but can I please go? And he was like, yes, please, please go. So God bless you, whoever you are. And I went to the bathroom, and I came out of the bathroom, and I, oh my gosh, I shoved a thing of sport jelly beans, which are those like, you know, like sport beans, down my mouth. I ate a whole pack right there, like five minutes before the start, and it was, oh my gosh, it was so sticky, but I got them down and I started and all of a sudden I was standing in the line and behind the 330 pacers and I was like, we are about to do this. So all of a sudden Allie Feller, who is the announcer for the race, started counting down and it was like 
from 10 and I'm like oh my gosh I'm freaking out so I started my race joy and oh it was just like the start line I was like okay we're in this we're in this I was like still trying to process and I start running with the 3.30 pace group. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is going well, but they're going out at a 7.30 pace. So I scale it back a little bit. And I'm like, I do not want to go out too fast at all. And I start running um, and yeah, I'm behind the 3.30 pacers because the one thing that you do not want to do in a marathon is go out too fast. You have 26.2 miles to warm into your pace and get the pace down. So my goal pace for the marathon was just under eight minutes per mile. So I said like a 7.55 would be a dream if I could maintain that. So my first mile was an 8.02. I started slow and I started conservative. And then I started to pick it up because I was like, not like heavily, you know, like go settling into a comfortable pace that I could maintain for the first half. So the first like... I guess, I think it was like six miles. They were at, I guess like a 750-ish average pace, 747 maybe. Um, So yeah, they they were really slow. They were really conservative, not slow, but like they were feeling good. And that was my goal pace. And I was feeling so good. So I was like, this feels amazing. This pace feels great. I feel like I'm like I can breathe like I'm walk like I just felt so good um and it was that and I was like this is my goal pace like this is crazy I was wearing the Nike Alpha Flies um and that was my second time wearing them ever and I will tell you why I kind of regret that now um not regret that but I just regret not really breaking them in that much because I'm getting a toenail surgically removed next week so anyway I'll go into that later so the first six miles I was like okay we're good. We're going to be chill. There were people booking it, like absolutely going ham. And I was like, this is insane. I'm like, why are they doing this? Um, but I knew that that was going to happen and it made me want to run faster, but I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not going to run faster. I'm just going to stay conservative, stay slow. So I was making conversation with people around me. I met some amazing people on the course. Um, I met this guy. Um, he's, I think, I don't know, he's a little bit older and he was just like so kind and was like giving me encouragement. And then I met this girl named Tess and Tess, she was wearing a University of Michigan jersey and she is amazing. She's like, hey, and we like introduced each other, talked to each other for a while. We were together on the course for quite a while. Um, And she was like, I'm really trying to be cute. It's my first marathon. I'm like, me too, that'd be so cool. So we ran together for so long and I just remember she was like, if you finish ahead of me, like, I want to see you at the finish line so we can, like, get a picture or something. I'm like, me too. Like, if you finish ahead of me, like, do that. And we were just, like, encouraging each other, which was so fun. And then I um, was feeling good. So this is about, like, mile seven. And I'm like, okay, I think I can start, you know, just, like, maintaining my pace at, like, a 745. I was like, this is good. I think it's going to be okay. So I start my pace at like a 740, 745. And that's the pace that I maintained for a while um, until just over the halfway point. So I'm maintaining this pace. I'm taking in my gels and electrolytes and everything. Um, and I didn't want to go t- faster than this at all because I was like, I don't want to go faster than like a 740 something pace right now because I don't want to blow it in the last um, half of it. So I'm past the 3.30 pacers now, and I'm feeling so strong, so good, just on top of the world, but then all of a sudden, a mile eight, I'm like, I'm getting kind of nervous, like, okay, like, I I have a long way to go here, 
And, like, I knew that, like, I felt good, but I started, that doubt started to creep in. I'm like, what if I can't do this? I'm like, I'm so nervous. And I was like, no, 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 like, don't, you know, I was, like, reframing that. And I was like, you can do it, Sabrina. And I was like, you know, surrender it to God. It's going to be okay. So I was really starting to get into that self-doubt mindset, like, miles 8 through, like, 13. Because I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so nervous and like I was like I have so much to go like what if I can't keep this pace up like what am I doing why did I sign up for this but I'm like it's okay it's okay I never had that thought of like I never want to do this again until those last six miles but I was feeling good but then I was like just like calming myself down reaffirming myself and this whole half too I did not use music I made it my strategy shout out to Avery that I was not going to use music for the first half of the race just to make it more exciting the second half when you know things got hard when things get hard the second half so what's cool about Bayshore it's very flat um kind of there's like little rolling hills but it's not awful so it's pretty flat and it's a turnaround so it's a out and back so I was feeling pretty good I got all of my 18 ounce of scratch down which was great by the halfway point which was my goal so I turn around and it's cool because you can see other people like coming out and it's like it's really cool because they have the half marathon race is like from the first point and so when you're running down one side of the bay the half marathoners are coming so I got to see some like my best friends and it was so cool so I saw like Caroline and I saw like Emily and we both screamed when we saw each other we're like oh my gosh and everyone looked at us and I'm like you know it's great I don't care I was having so much fun and then we turned around at the halfway point and I hit like mile 14 and I was like I've got this. Like, okay, it's going to be okay. Like, I know that I was having that self-doubt earlier, but like, this is going to be great. So all of a sudden I felt great at like mile 14. And I was like, we're going to just like, I was like, this is going to be good. So I'm like, okay, time to like turn the gears on a little bit. So I was feeling so good. So then I started running like 736 minute miles for quite a while. Um, and then I passed a lot of the people who went out way faster than me. And I was like, okay, like this is good. Starting slow is good. Um, and I saw my grandparents for the second time on the course. And that's when I threw my water bottle at them because I'm done with it. And that was also my strategy. So once I threw my water bottle at my grandparents not like at them but you know to hand it to them because I just didn't want it it was annoying me um and I was like oh I feel so light and free and I had taken my three gels that were in there which was so nice so highly recommend if you're running a marathon do the handheld for the first half then throw it for the second half because it makes all the difference and then I was able to have a free hand to put in my airpods so I put in my airpods and I was listening to some jams and I was feeling so happy at this point and so good and I was just just like picking it up, picking it up. And in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have picked it up so early, but I didn't really hit a wall. And I'll talk to you about that in a second. But I like miles 14 through 21 were amazing. They were, I was just fly. It felt so good. I don't even know what it was, but I think that runner's high just like kicked into gear. And I like started to descend my pace to like a 717 by that um, mile 19 I think was um and then I was like okay I don't want to like go too fast again because I want to be able to like I don't want to hit a wall I was so worried about that um so I was like okay I'm not I'm gonna pull it back a little bit so anyway those miles were so fun and I was literally dancing so the Macarena came on my sound and I was literally doing the Macarena for like a mile and a half because it's a really long song and I freaking loved it and like all these like dance songs were playing and I was dancing like I was absolutely just like 
thriving, like literally so happy. And like people were like, I don't know, giving me smiles and like high fives for dancing. But I was so happy. Like that was the most fun that I've ever had in a race before. And it was literally like it was along the beautiful bay. I was dancing. I was hyping the crowd up. I was just like every time I passed, I was like, yeah, let's go. And people would like cheer. And it was just so fun. Like the energy was amazing. Um, so it was funny because in mile 18, I like turn this corner and I see my dad and he's recording me and I'm like, dad, I feel so good. And I like, I think I was like really surprised cause I had started to pass a lot of people who were hitting a wall at that point and like who had gone out really fast. And I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't hit a wall yet. I was like so surprised. And so I was like, dad, I feel so good. So it's this really funny video. And my dad, he gives me this smile. He's like, uh oh, he's like, you got it, Sabrina. And then he like, apparently he went into the car where my aunt and uncle were because they were also watching. And he was just like, uh, she just said she feels good. That was probably a big mistake. And I'm like, oh, I'll feel fine. I'll feel fine. It'll be great. So feeling good the last like, for like miles 14 through like 20. And then at mile 20, I take a gel, my Huma gel, and it was good. Um, and I saw my coach, Jake, there on the side, and I almost wanted to cry. And he's like, I'm going to run miles 20 through 25 with you. And I was like, oh my gosh, yay. So I was feeling good mile 20. I was like bouncing. I was talking with Jake. Everything was doing, like everything was amazing. And then all of a sudden at mile 21.25, because when you're in the last six miles of a marathon, every quarter mile seems like literally five miles in itself. So at mile 21.25, I started to feel it. I was like, okay, I'm hurting. I was like, I, this is when I started to pass people who were walking, who were standing, who were collapsing. Like it was like not, it was not fun because you saw all these people walking, sitting, standing, dropping out. And it's like, you wanted to do that. Like that's your body's like, what the heck? Like I've never done this before. Like why are, do they get to sit and I don't, and your body's in survival mode. So the only thing I wanted to do was join the people that were collapsing. And it's like, I really, really had to hone in the mental game then. So at that point I told Jake, I'm like, Jake, like this is hard now. And I'm like, this is hurt. Like I'm hurting now. And he's like, it's okay. Like just take deep breaths. Like he was reminding me to get my water, get the Gatorade and stuff from the stations. And I should have, and I'll go into my feeling strategy and stuff later. Cause somebody asked me about that, but I will go into my like hydration strategy later. But in hindsight, I should have taken more water those last six miles because I basically I tried to shut my brain off and I just I definitely missed the mark on the hydration because I'll talk about that in a second so anyway I'm running and things are hurting like I'm not feeling good at all and I'm not slowing down I'm just in a lot of pain so I was maintaining my goal pace. So I was maintaining probably like a 740. So that's after I decided to scale it back I was like I could I was like I wanted to like book it but at the same time I'm like I'm starting to hurt and I know if I go too fast now there's a good chance I would hit a wall soon so I scaled it back to like a 740s to 750s those last six miles because at that point I remember I look at Jake at mile 20 I'm like Jake even if I run 10 minute miles for this last six miles I, I'm still gonna hit a 330 and like it's cool on race joy I was like literally about to cry and so I was like I know it's in the bag I'm like I know it's here so I was less concerned about those last six miles but it's cool because on race joy you get all these notifications every time you finish a mile and it gives you your projected finish time and the projected finish time started at a 327 
And then it worked its way down to a 322 something by the time I was at mile 20. And I was like, there's no way that has to be so inaccurate. And I was like, there's no way. And I completely still thought that I'm like, maybe I'll get like a 325, which would be really cool. Um, but those last six miles, I was like, oh, this really hurts. And then Jake he went like, okay, Sabrina, like, I just want you to turn your mind off, just look at my feet, and just run, and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna turn my mind off, he, we, like, weren't talking or anything at that point, I turned off my music, because I was annoyed with it, and it was, like, all these uplifting things, like, I don't know, like, Champion from Carrie Underwood was playing, and I was like, nope, I was like, nope, this is not good, so I actually turned on worship music after a couple, maybe, like, 10 minutes, and I was like, I just need to focus on Jesus right now, and, like, have him give me my strength, and Jake was reminding me of that, like, how I just needed God to give me my strength, and I was like, yes, so I was, like, praying, I was praying a lot, and I was just trying to focus on his feet, I was feeling so nauseous to my, like, my stomach hurt so bad, but my stomach was also grumbling, so it was, like, hungry and nauseous at the same time, and I was just, like, oh my gosh, it wasn't, like, I don't even know, I cannot explain it. Like, I used to listen to podcasts and stuff before this marathon saying that if you've never run a marathon, like, only, you only know what those last six miles feel like if you've been through it. And it is literally, it's insane. It's, oh my gosh. At that point, mile 23, I said, I am never doing this again, ever in my whole entire life. But then it's like, okay, I kind of want to do it again. But I listened to Holly's um, Fueled Nutrition's podcast before this, and it was like things I wish I knew before my first marathon. And all the elites think that during the race. So I was like, okay, if the elites think it, it's okay. And I was like, I'm never doing this again, ever, ever, ever. And I was, but now I, I'm going to. So um, anyway, we are running, and I'm just, I'm in, honestly, I kind of dissociated those last six miles. I really don't remember much. I just remember that I was in pain, but I, Jake was keeping me on pace and that I was staying in my goal range of pace. I think that I started to slow down on mile 23 a bit and I slowed down to like a 750 pace, but at that point, like I could have kept pushing if I wanted to, but I really just wanted to chill out because I knew that I had the 330. I was like, I know it's going to be there. I was like, I know it's there and I don't have to book it these last six miles. So I was just like, I just want to take it easy. And Jake was telling me to like take water and take Gatorade. I should have done that. And yeah, because so Jake left at mile 25. He went off to the side and then he cheered me on at mile 25 and a half, which that half mile felt literally like an entire lifetime. And at mile 25, all of a sudden I get this stabbing pain in the side of my stomach. And it's this awful cramp that is not going away not with deep breathing not with anything and the only thing that alleviates any of this pain it's probably the worst cramp I've ever had in my life was hunching over so at mile 25 that is when I quote-unquote hit a wall per se but it's because of my cramp and so I was literally running in the fetal position for that last mile 1.2 miles I was hobbling and I thought I was going at like a 12 minute pace. It was going like an 820. So I, that's good because I was like, whatever, at least I have the time, but I was not feeling good. That was the most horrendous and painful mile I've ever run in my life. And I was like, I don't feel good. I'm not going to make it. And this lady, <laughs> I bless her heart. She's like, you're almost there. And it was like 
mile like 25.2 and I wanted to scream out like no I'm not but I didn't I didn't I was just trying to zone out I was crying that mile a little bit I was like my stomach hurts and I saw my grandma and she was holding up the bible verse and she's like smile Sabrina I'm like I can't I can't do it no and then I saw my aunt and she's like giving me the most sympathetic eyes she's like you can do it she's like you're having a rough time and I was like yeah so I'm really just in pain that last mile from my stomach but I was like, okay. And then I saw the finish line and I almost start crying. But also mile 25 scared me because there was somebody like taken in a stretcher and then somebody on an ambulance. And it just like, it definitely scared me. So I saw the finish line, the stretch, the final 0.2 miles, and I freak out. I see the time on the clock and it was at a like 321. And I was like, you're absolutely joking right now. So I then run strong to the finish and I really can't stand up that straight because of my stomach. So I try and run a little bit hunched over. And as soon as I, oh my gosh, I'm literally getting emotional thinking about this, but I'm running down the track. So it ends on the track in Traverse City and I am on that final stretch and Allie, I hear, Sabrina, oh my gosh. She's like, what? You did it, girl. She was like just so hyping it up so much. And I start bawling when I hear her voice and hear her call my name. And I was like, Allie. And I was like looking around for her as I tried to cross the finish line. And even though my vision's a little bit blurry and she was just like 322 on the clock. And she was just like, oh, you did it, girl. You go. And she was just so encouraging. And I crossed the finish line. I immediately, well, one, I feel like I'm going to die. I literally told the lady that was giving me a medal, I'm like, I'm going to die. And she's like, do you need a med tent? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. I just felt like I was going to die. And then I see that my chip time was 3.21.30. I burst into tears. And I see my dad on the side and my little cousins and I'm bawling and I go to dad and I go, we're going to Boston, dad. And I'm like bawling my eyes out so bad. And then I take a video of me walking um through like the finisher shoot and I'm bawling my eyes out and that was the reel that got like 1.3 million views and I was just like so on cloud nine and then I see my mom and stepdad um at the finish who just got done like she yeah it was like cool to see her and that and him at the other part of the finish line and I did the same thing I'm bawling my eyes and I'm like we're going to Boston and there's a picture of us together and she ran the same marathon so her first marathon was um Bayshore in 2003 so exactly 20 years later is when I ran this so it was really really cool um and just beautiful and I was bawling and then I met my dad and my grandparents and everybody after like next to the food tent and I literally I just could not stop crying. I was so happy and so just, oh my gosh. I literally, the moment was amazing and I am never going to forget that moment or that finish line. And yeah, everything after that is just like, wow. Like, I just can't believe it happened. And then my friends crossed the finish line after that. Um, and I got to see, so Avery got a 26 minute PR, which was incredible. Um, and she ran a, I think it was like 
3 or 3.45. So shout out to Avery. She did amazing. Literally 26 minutes. That's like a minute per mile faster. And we were all, we all just had the most amazing races ever. And it was incredible. And Emily absolutely slayed her first half marathon. She ran like a 149 and her goal was sub two hours. So what a queen. Um, but yeah, and then um, two of my other running friends, they qualified for Boston and that was cool. And then I got to see Tess too. She crossed the finish line and I saw her and I said, oh my gosh. And she also qualified for Boston. So that's amazing. Um, and it was just such a great day and experience. So anyway, I, that was just amazing. And I, I'm still trying to find the words to reflect on that whole experience. But in hindsight, the things that I did well were going out slow, conservatively, um, because trust me, you will pass everybody that goes out faster than you who went out too fast. So I'm not saying you're going to pass everybody, but you're going to pass the people who went out too fast. Um, and I passed a lot of them after in the second half, just because a lot of them were bonking at that point. Um, so going out slow is good. It's like you have the entire race to make it up. Um, yeah. Another thing I did well, I think was, um, my hydration, not okay. My hydration for the first 20 and fueling for the first 20. Um, what I could have done much better is fueling and hydration in the last six. So I'll go into my fueling strategy when I go into your questions, but those last six miles, I needed to do something different because I would have definitely avoided that cramp if I would have taken in more fuel. So, and hydration. So I didn't take in like, I took in like one sip of water and I missed my gel at mile 24 and I thoroughly regret it. I should have taken a gel at mile 24 because that was awful like I should have I just was not feeling good so I just like tried to zone out but in hindsight I think eating something and taking in one more gel would have made me really being able to like I don't know feel a little bit better um after that so given all that it is now like four days post marathon um the first two days I so like the first like the day of my marathon I was not sore at all I'm not gonna lie I was like cool whatever and then my feet, though, when we got home, were destroyed. I had the biggest blister ever on my pinky toe and my other little toe. And, yeah, it's, it is literally the size of my entire toe. So that was rough. Um, and then also my toenail. So my big toenail on my left foot was completely purple and inflamed after that race. And I do think it is because I did not break in my alpha flies. So that was rough. Um... And this week, so a few days ago, it popped the big blood blister underneath my toe and my nail came off nearly. So the only thing that it's hanging on by is this nail bed. So I am getting it surgically removed next Saturday. So yay marathons. Um, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's so beautiful. Um, the day after the marathon, my friends, well, Hannah, Emily, and I, we went for a little walk. Um... And that felt good to get the blood flow. Not going to lie, motion has been super important in recovery, but also stillness. So it's really been good to get that moving again, get my legs moving. Um, I was really nauseous the day after the marathon, but and the day, like two days. But then my appetite started to kick in. And right now it's like, yeah, I'm still so hungry today. So it's like your body just needs a lot when it's recovering from a marathon. And I have not run yet. I have done a couple walks 
and a bike ride and I think I'm just going to stay with like walking and biking for a bit. Um, you really should not be running within the seven days post marathon at all. Um, so that's my plan and I'm going to see how things go next week, but I might take up to two weeks off. We'll see. But your body really does need the time to recover. And even though I'm not, re I'm not sore anymore at all, but your body has damage on a cellular level. So that's why I'm taking off good amount of time. And if I'm feeling good next week, I'll maybe I'll try two miles, three miles and see how it feels. But overall, we're going to take it nice and easy and let my body do the repair work that it needs and get all of the food that it needs. So that's the plan. So given that, oh, and also my dad did the sweetest thing. So um, it was two days after my marathon and we were celebrating my birthday because my birthday was yesterday. And he did like a little like birthday and Boston qualifying celebration and he got a unicorn balloon and the cake and the unicorn is a symbol of Boston Marathon which is really cool. So the whole experience amazing and a lot of you have been asking me what's next and at first I was like oh I want to run a fall marathon because then I can just run Boston for vibes and it can be like super fun but I decided against that just because I am 20 I just turned 23 years old and I have my entire life to run marathons. I do not want to burn myself out in the first few years of doing marathons. So I'm going to train smart and I'm not going to do a fall marathon. I am going to focus on Boston because that is in a year and doing technically I'll be doing two marathons within 12 months. So I really want to prioritize not getting burnt out. So I'm going to ease into the marathon distance. I'm probably just going to do a half for, I'm, I might just train for a half, like a speedy half and see how that goes. Um, and just try and like get maybe under 135 something. So see how that goes. But overall, I have no like really structure right now for the next couple of months. And I start training for, I'll start training for a half probably like mid July or like end of July, but I'm just going to work on recovering this month. And then next month, just get into more base mileage and just starting to, you know, easy runs, maybe a few workouts here and there, but really just taking the time that my body needs to recover from this because it is a lot on the body, like a lot, a lot. And even if you don't feel it, it's on a cellular level and hormonal and immune, immunological level. So just really recovering from that. Anyway, that was a very long first half of this episode, but let's get into your questions. Um, there's a lot of them, so I am sorry if this episode is extremely long. So the first question is, what was the biggest difference you found between the half and the full marathon? Um, I would say the biggest difference for me was the importance of fueling strategy is the biggest one because with a half, you can get away doing halves without fuel. Like, okay, not like without pre-run fuel, but without intra-run fuel. You can totally get away with it. And I did. And I was like racing my halves and like, I, I mean, I would take like maybe like some like sports drink and stuff during my races, but like in the marathon, you cannot do that. Like you need to practice your fueling strategy from day one and take gels early and take gels often. So I, let me get into my, there was one question that said, how many gels did you end up taking total? Um, and what was the other one? It was, oh, what was your fueling strategy and what gels did you use? How did you carry them? So I'm going to get into those two questions now because we're talking about it. Um, because 
the full marathon, you really, really have to master your fueling strategy. It is like a science, you guys, like so scientific. So what I did was my plan was, um, so I actually switched between three different gel types and um, a drink mix. So I don't like taking the same gel over and over because it sits in my stomach. So what I did, mile four, I took a Huma gel with electrolytes in it. Mile eight, I took a Yukan um, Edge strawberry banana. At mile 12, I took a spring energy gel because they have nearly 50 grams of carbs. So that's double the carbs and it's delicious as well. It's just like mashed sweet potato. Then at mile 16, I took another Yukan Edge. Yes, I took a strawberry banana. And then at mile 20, I took a caffeinated Huma gel, Mocha. Um, also for miles one through 13, I carried a handheld with um, a scratch mix so super good it has nice carbs electrolytes and everything um and then my plan was at mile 24 to take a spring which has double the carbs to get me through that last two miles but like i said i was very very dumb that last six miles and i was so i was just so zoned out that i forgot and i did not take it i was not feeling good because i was scared i was going to throw it up so I ended up taking five gels total, which is not enough in my eyes. I think I could race even faster if I take six to seven gels. So that is going to be something I work on in for Boston is really just like getting in or taking more gels or starting them earlier too, just because that last six miles, I really need to focus on getting stuff in because the for the second half, I took water cups every couple of miles, which was nice, but like... I definitely should have done that more in the last six miles. So that was my fueling strategy and how I carried everything. I carried the first three gels in my handheld water bottle. I have a Nathan 18 ounce. And then I carried the last three in my Nathan um, 5K like running belt, which was holds a lot of stuff. So that's what I did. But my poor little spring energy gel that didn't get used that last mile 24 rip. Um, but it's okay. We live and we learn and we still, you know, accomplished our goals. So that's the biggest difference between the half and full marathon, and that was my fueling strategy. Um, what was the most memorable miles? Guys, there's so many memorable miles in this one. I could say every single mile was memorable, but I either... The good memorable miles was probably, like I said, miles 14 through 20, because I was dancing, and I was just having a blast. Or I would say mile 8, because that's when I saw my friends doing the half marathon but most memorable. And then also 25 was pretty memorable with the pain I was in. Um, and I saw people literally getting taken away in ambulances. So yeah, that was also memorable. Um, the next question, what mile did you really have to play mind over matter? Ooh, the last six for sure, like abs or the last five, I would say, were absolutely mind over matter. But in mile 25, I would say it was definitely definitely mind over matter because the only thing my body wanted to do was collapse at that point and I really had to say like you can still run you can still do this but overall the last like five I was like okay my body doesn't want to be here but we're gonna do it and I was like it's mental it's mental god give me the strength and then the next question what do your future training plans look like so again I am not gonna run a full until Boston so I am going to probably just train for another half, try and either tie or beat my PR, 
work on some shorter maybe speed stuff do a couple 5k races here and there just to see maybe just do some fun workouts um, for vibes you know I'm honestly just taking some unstructured time and just like focusing on speed and also lifting a lot um this next couple of months because I really feel like like I've taken 25 minutes off my half marathon time in a year and I think 99% of it is from lifting a lot. So I'm definitely going to focus on lifting and speed right now. So that way when I start my training cycle for Boston in like January, December, I'm going to feel good um, and I'm going to feel nice and strong. Let's see. Tips, training tips for under 330. Ooh. Again, hmm, I honestly would say train like a 330 marathoner, but you're probably like, wait, that's what I just asked. Um... For me, it was definitely doing long run workouts that have race pace in them. Like that really helped getting your speed workouts in and doing mental toughness workouts. So a lot of my speed workouts, because it was over the winter, were on the treadmill. And I did a 16 miler on the treadmill. I did a lot of like 10 to 12 mile workouts on the treadmill. And it's mentally challenging. But that's really what it comes down to in the marathon when you're trying to race for a speed goal. So I would definitely say do mental toughness runs um, and also eat enough. Like you have to eat a lot when you're marathon training. Like make sure you're eating enough, do strength training, do strides, really just show up for yourself and push during the times that you don't want to be there. And it's okay to run slow and it's okay to run fast. So just like really give yourself grace. But I would say the three biggest things are mental toughness workouts, nutrition, and strength training. Um, and also getting the mileage in. For me, it was really like hitting that mileage, I think helped um, and doing those long run workouts too. So like 60 miles a week, I would say is like my sweet spot, but everybody has a sweet spot. I people run super fast marathons on like they're 40 miles a week and it really just depends on what your body can handle. Um, did you pray during your marathon? But seriously, yes, I 100% prayed during my marathon. I was praying like almost every mile, but the last six miles, it was just me and Jesus, girl. I was just like, Jesus, please give me strength right now because I am dying. And he did. He really gave me strength. Um, is there anything you wish you knew beforehand, but didn't? I wish I knew that you need to take in electrolytes and water those last six miles. That's probably. And another thing that I wish I knew before just training in general is that the workout, like, you are going to, like, feel tired a lot and sore. And I also wish I knew that workouts are long when you're marathon training. Like an average like midweek workout was like 10 miles. So I wish I knew that how time consuming workouts would be. But now I know and honestly, they're fun. And 10 miles is literally does not feel like anything right now. But yeah, it's it's crazy what your body can do. But I wish I knew like, yeah, I guess that. But that's a great question. But again, I wish I knew that I had to take something that last six miles. I don't know why I didn't. I anyway. We learned. We learned. What did you mean when you said that you got through runs with God's strength and not yours? It really honestly was just like surrendering it to him by asking God. I'm like, God, please give me your strength. And when you ask, he gives it to you. And it really is just, it turns your mind off and God gives you his strength. And 
it means that I, my success in running is not from me because I could not do this on my first marathon without God. And so really just surrendering everything to him and telling, like, I literally prayed before. I'm like, God, if it's in your will, let this be done. But during the race, when I was feeling pain, I would pray and he would give me his strength and I would make it through. But without his strength and his love, I would have, I don't know how this would have gone because it truly is just asking for his strength and he will give it to you. When I asked for his strength, my mind, it calmed down and I was able to keep running. I was keep able to put one foot in front of the other. And so God is literally the only reason that I made it this far and that I accomplished this goal. How often did you check your watch or pace while running? I never look until halfway through. I checked it a little too much. I checked it like every single mile just to see what I was up to, how my pace was. It was mostly to keep me from going too fast the first half, but I checked it about every mile. Tips for runners who are injury prone and planning a marathon in 2025. So, Again, aside from nutrition and strength training, see a physical therapist. I saw a physical therapist throughout my entire training cycle, and it literally helped so, so much. We did exercises. She always worked on me. She helped me, made sure that I wasn't getting injured. And if any little niggles came up, it was immediately she addressed it and we got rid of it. So I would definitely say be careful with mileage too. Like be very careful with your mileage. You don't want to overdo it. Eat enough um, strength train and see a physical therapist and also consult with your doctor before training. <laughs> Emma plus the puppy at the finish plus meeting Emma Bates. Ah, I just explained that, but you're so sweet. I'm so glad that you want to know that all the details. You're so kind. Literally, what did I do to deserve you? How did you manage 26.2 mentally? If you listen to music, what kind of playlist? Again, I broke it up. So I said, okay, the first 10 miles are a vibe. They're just a vibe. The first half, honestly, is just a vibe. And I didn't play music. Then the second half, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a grind. And that's when I put music on to get through the grind and also prayed. Then the last six miles, I said, okay, this is the race and we are tough enough. And I kept repeating mantras in my head during those last six, talking and just like trying to really hone in on the mental side and just remembering that like, pain is okay and that it's going to be over soon. <laughs> Did you ever run a full marathon prior to race day like in training? Nope, I ran longest 21 miles. Moment during the race when you realize this is hard and I got it. I love the dialectics, dialectical. I'm a DBT um, uh, clinician and I love that dialectic. This is hard and I got this. I realized I think mile 14 when all of a sudden I was like, let's dance. <laughs> Um, how did your recovery needs increase during training? Sleep, fuel, physical therapy definitely increased. I slept a lot more. I ate a lot more and I did see a physical therapist. So definitely increases during training and honestly during recovery too. So this past week I've been super hungry, super tired, and it's super normal. So your recovery needs increase a lot during training and during recovery. I ran my first yesterday to 357. I'm addicted now, but I want 3.30. But how? Tips. Oh my gosh. First of all, congratulations, girl. Her name is Ashley Bronson. Good job. I am so proud of you. That is an incredible time and an incredible um, accomplishment. So congrats on running your first marathon. Marathon 
first twins on the same day. I love it. Um, I'm going to go back, I guess, to the advice that I gave earlier with I like training for a 3.30. I would honestly say, well, one, you have a marathon under your belt now, so you kind of know the distance, you know the feel. Um, I would say if you're focusing if on a time goal to get a coach because I got a coach and honestly, it was like one of the most – I guess like one of the best running decisions I have made so far in my running journey. Like it has helped me so much just with everything and knowing what mileage to run and really create a personalized plan that rather than like looking up those like online plans that are like sub 330 because some of them are wild and it's just like it doesn't meet your needs like how much you want to strength train what your background is like how many miles you want to run so I would honestly say get a coach for that but if you don't want to get a coach I would recommend um one is again I'm just gonna like say the same advice that I said for like 330 you know those like long speed workouts um also like you know, just like building mileage slowly, taking down weeks is so important. So honestly, have a longer training cycle, but with a lot more down weeks, because that's what I did. Um, and it really, really helped. But I know you can do it. And it's going to come and it's gonna happen. And you are incredible. And I would highly recommend getting a coach to kind of work with your individualized goals and needs. But congratulations again, Ashley. Okay. How did you decide what time goal to set? That's a good question. I set that time goal actually with my coach. Um, so right before training, before we even wrote out the plan, um, that's kind of when we decided on my time goal. And so my time goal was based off of a half marathon that I ran. So I had run prior to this. So I've been running for two years now. Um, and I still remember two years ago in like May, I like went for my first run and it was so much fun. And it's insane to think now we're at the marathon, but it's crazy. So I've been running for two years. And before that, I've run three half marathons. And so Basically, when I was talking to my coach um, about my half marathons and my progress, I started my half my first half marathon ever. This was after running for, I don't know how many months, maybe like six months, I think. It was like a two or a one fifty nine, so it was just under two hours. My second half marathon, which was in spring, which was exactly a year ago, it was a one forty five. No. 147 I think something like that yeah it was like 147 um and then I so that was a big jump like 11 minutes ish 12 minutes yeah 12 minutes guys I can't do math right now and then I ran one more half marathon in October that was a 142 and so based on my 142 half marathon and the progress that I had made and some workouts that I had done um my coach and I decided that a 330 would be a very reasonable time goal for me and at first I thought it was very ambitious I was like there's no way I'm gonna run a 330 I would be happy with a sub four like based on like where I was fitness wise and stuff I was like sub four would be great but then we started doing training and training kept going super well and I made a lot of progress um, like during this training cycle and 3.30, it seemed a little bit more reasonable, but also it was very much like I was still, I don't know, I need to work on more being more confident in myself, but it was, it was basically just based off of like my previous races as well as how my workouts were going. So we would do long runs with some goal pace work in there. So I remember one of my long runs in the first couple of months of training was like a seven, it was like I think it was 14 miles with seven of them at marathon pace. And 
and went really well. And I actually maintained a pace that was much quicker than marathon pace and it was fine. And so um, that's kind of another indication of the goal that I set was reasonable. And then again, with the half marathon tune-up a month before the actual race, that was another indication of the goal that I could set. So it really was, it did it never really changed, honestly, because I didn't want to be asked too much of myself. Um, my, like, McMillan calculator said I'm capable of running, like, a 318, and I was like, there's no way. But um, now I think that's um, probably more indicative of my fitness now based on everything. But it's just, yeah, it was basically just off of, you know, race and workouts. That was a very long answer, but it honestly, to put in short words, my coach and I decided it based off of my fitness level. What did you like the most and what did you least like about marathon training? Oh, it honestly really depends on the week, but I think I like the most is all of the firsts and all of the accomplishments and okay, three things, all of the accomplishments, all of the firsts and all of the people. I love all of the people I met during marathon training. It's amazing and beautiful. And once you're in the world of like marathons, it's just like so cool because people that run marathons have gone through those last six miles. They understand that like life is hard. And a lot of other marathoners have gone through really hard things in their lives. Um, like I have and it's just like cool to connect with people on a level like that you have never connected before like on my 20 miler um in the heat I literally peed my pants in front of a cycling team and my friend Avery was with me and we did a lot of long runs together and we have seen each other at our best and our worst and I just think the connection that you make with people is amazing also the impact that marathon training had on my relationship with God is just incredible like I I think that ha that has to be the number one thing about marathon training was that like I during marathon training it's like so hard because you don't know like every time you do a long run it's basically like besides your down weeks because they are important it's a new distance for you and you've never done it before and it's just so scary and daunting and so I really had to rely on Jesus throughout this whole training cycle and it really increased my relationship with God to a whole nother level which has been so cool and then also again the first and the accomplishments like I said every single run is going to be longer and not every single one but you know what I mean like your long runs they get very long and there was a time where every single week I was saying I did my longest run ever on Strava and it's just like it was funny so that's what I would say what did I least like about marathon training um I least liked ooh I would honestly say those really long speed workouts they were just a lot and they were very tough um especially on the treadmill that was rough it, no, actually, especially in the winter, that was awful. I, I can handle now the speed workouts on the treadmill. Like, that's fine. Like, I'm good at the mental toughness thing, but I just don't like the winter running, and it's not that fun. And I know I'm going to have to be running in winter when I'm training for Boston, but it's okay. And there are going to be things that I don't love. And I also do not love gels. Like, really, I don't like them. I don't like taking them, but you know what? You have to. And that's something about the marathon that you kind of get a hurdle that you have to get over. My biggest accomplishment was taking my first gel in my like first long run, which was fun. But I, yeah, you got to learn how to take the gels, even though they're not fun and they make you want to barf sometimes. But we made it through and it helps. And not every run and workout is going to be good. 
walk us through the day before and the morning of the race. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I already kind of recapped that um, in my recap. So if you're just listening to this Q&A part, it's in the beginning. Things you wish you knew about marathon training and racing a marathon. Ooh. Again, I think I... Okay, also, I wish I knew... Oh, no, this is a good one. Okay, okay. I wish I knew how fast you go through shoes. So me, my toxic trait in running is that like I never replace my shoes and like I would go like 800 miles on my shoes before replacing them, which is terrible because knock on wood, I am have not gotten an injury yet. Knock on wood, please do not get injured, Sabrina. Okay, but anyway, I was like, oh, it's not important to change my shoes. But then I started to get a little bit of tendon pain, and so I saw my physical therapist, and she was like, yeah, your shoes have like 800 some miles on them. You need to get these replaced. And as soon as I replaced them, I'm like, oh, my feet feel better. So I started replacing my shoes when I should, around like 500 miles. Okay, that's even stretching it. And I went through like quite, like a couple pairs of shoes, and they're very expensive, and it's a, a lot of money. Also, I wish I knew how much gels cost because those are a lot of money and how much the hydration costs, how much your grocery bill will increase. Like it's my grocery bill. I'm pretty sure like tripled in the amount. Like it's so much, like literally it's, it's the finances. I definitely wish how, like, I, I wish I knew how much my finances would, um, would have to be a, a little bit better for marathon training, but it's super worth it. I also wish I knew that not all long runs are going to feel great because for some reason I had this expectation in my head that like all long runs are going to be amazing and they really weren't. Not all of like some of them were fabulous. Like my one, like my peak week long run was amazing, which I am so happy, but there were some long runs that absolutely sucked, but that's what comes with the sport. I would love to talk about your overall experience with your marathon training during and after it ended. Yeah, so I kind of talked about, you know, training and everything. I guess I'll just go over like quickly what my general training schedule was because a lot of, I mean, there was somebody asked me like what was my like workout split and everything and how I fit in like lifting. So before marathon training even started, so this was like maybe a month before, not even a month, but like this whole off season that I had between my half and between marathon training. So this was November, December, like this, and then like part of October and part of January. This is like a good three month chunk of time. I was really only running like 30 miles a week, but I was like doing a lot of lifting and I was really trying to pack on the muscle because I knew that like having that strength and foundation before marathon training would set me up for success in the sport, both staying injury free and also just running well and it definitely helped. So after I kind of had that like base building season, I also would incorporate long cross train sections. So maybe like 75 minutes. Um, and I was maybe like a month before I started to up my um, aerobic stuff a little bit and just like build that base to just about 35 miles. So that's where I started. Um, I started with 35 miles a week and five days of running. And my plan was actually just to peak at like 45 miles a week, but my body responded super well to my schedule. Um, I worked with my coach, my mileage increased, and I ended up again at averaging around 50 something mile weeks and then I peaked twice at 60 mile weeks and I ended up running about six days a week for that and my body adapted very well. I think it is because I fuel so well as um too and that really helped but my overall training it was like 
I would have a few weeks of a build and then I would have a cutback week. That was like 35 miles. So no matter if I was running 60 miles or if I was running 45 miles, my cutback week was always around 35 miles. So important for your body to adapt to those fitness changes. And I also wouldn't really do a long run that week. Um, but on my peak weeks of training, it was like your medium long run is like 10 to 12 miles. Um, so my general split, I guess, when I first started was about five days a week, one day of cross training, one day of rest. And then when I got into the peak, the grind of marathon training, so that month, like it's a lot. It's very tiring. I would have six days of running and then one day of either total rest or active recovery. So just like a light bike ride or a walk or whatever. Um, and I did, at first I had been lifting maybe like a few times a week, but really during that grind of marathon training for a couple months, I only got maybe like one or two lifts in during the week, but it was still effective and it still worked well. There were still pretty good quality lifts, which I think really helped. And then I also went to PT twice a week to do some strengthening there. And I also did core and mobility every other day. So I was able to fit that in. And then of course you have the three week taper. And then... Finally, the last question is, how do you fit training runs around a busy schedule? So yes, if you do not know, I am a PhD student in clinical psychology and it's a very busy life. Like I have a lot going on. Um, so really the only time that I have to run is in the morning. So I did a lot of my runs early in the morning and that's just what works for me. Plus when I run in the afternoon too, I struggle with gut issues and I think that eating stuff like more bland, like right before I run is so much better for my gut than running in the afternoons. So my body just does not like it. Um, and so it, it kind of worked out actually, just because I do prefer morning runs. Um, because solely because of my gut health stuff and then also it's literally the only time I had in the day because my day's pretty packed um from you know like nine to six per day every day um so that was pretty much it I do you just kind of have to find time depending on your schedule I know people who are nurses that they'll run at like 4 a.m or they'll run at like right after work um and yeah, scheduling is definitely tricky but if you're a morning runner it's pretty easy to just like get up eat a snack go um and then just like get on with your day. Plus I saw this funny reel. It was like run early in the morning so you can't like process what you're doing yet. It's so funny. I'm like, yeah, that is kind of true during hard workouts. Like you start and then you're three miles in and you're like, oh, I'm starting to wake up and you're almost done. So <laughs> before you have time to process the the pain um, of a hard workout. But that that is my advice. So those are all of the questions, and wow, I have no idea how long this episode is going to be. It does not show the time on here, but I, again, want to thank all of you so much for your endless support in both training and just my marathon race and journey and everything. I could not have done this without you, and I am endlessly blessed by every single one of you, and I hope all of you know that you are capable of amazing things because something that I learned from marathon training and just the marathon in general is that like things they can get really really hard and you are so capable of getting through the pain it is possible and those moments when you think that it's not possible you just take one more step forward and prove yourself wrong because that's exactly what the marathon is those last six miles everything in the world seems like it's gonna end like 
but you keep on moving and you keep on showing yourself that it's okay. And that's honestly reflective of life. So no matter what you're going through today and no matter what hardships you're facing, just know that you can and you will persevere. You are resilient and you are loved. And again, I love you guys so incredibly much. Feel free to DM me anytime and ask me questions about my marathon, ask me questions about life, psychology, running, fuel, whatever it is, because I really, you guys are awesome and I just feel so fulfilled. So thank you for listening to this episode and I will see you guys next time.